My name is Heath. I'm the lead pastor here at Reach, and we're continuing in Mark. Um, I'm going to be in Mark 14 through Mark 9, 14 through 29 in just a second. Um, But here's the thing that I want you. Here's where I want to land. Here's what I want you to hear, and I'll repeat this at the end so you can be reminded of it. Is that real lasting healing and transformation comes from trusting in only one person. Every other source that promises transformation, promises healing, um, is temporary. There's books filled. It is a billion-dollar industry for you to will yourself to be a better person, to will yourself to be a better you, to will yourself to heal. Um, And I'm not saying that they don't have some effectiveness, but I'm saying for real, lasting healing and transformation, there is but one person that we can go to. And his name, shocker, is Jesus. So here's a couple of questions that I want to stir in you as we begin and before we get into Mark 9. Uh, And the question that I'm going to answer you, I'm going to go ahead and give you the answer. The answer is yes. So before I state the question, know that your answer, regardless of what you're thinking, and you may be gone, we'll see about that, is yes. Have you ever struggled with unbelief? Yes, we all have. That's what we want to talk about today. There's a a great phrase that I love to use uh, that this father says that we'll get to in a second. See, whether or not you believe it or not, or that you're walking in unbelief, your actions are communicating it. Every time you choose to live in fear, every time you choose to live in a pleasure that you shouldn't be in, every time you choose anger, every time you choose malice, every time you gossip, every time you do something that you shouldn't, you're walking in unbelief. You're walking into something that you're choosing over something else. And we do that by choosing not to humbly continue to trust our future and our lives with Jesus. We walk in unbelief. And here's a tension that happens when we lose sight of this power source, when we lose sight that He is the one that brings us this, we lose our power and peace. It's not ours. I cannot control your healing or transformation. You cannot control your healing and transformation. It has to come from somewhere else. And today we're going to see Jesus show his power and his authority there. But before we get into the word, I want us to pray that God would allow us to humbly see his authority through his word, not mine. And I say this a lot when I get up in here and preach There's going to be some things that are me that I'm going to say to you, um, but there's going to be a lot of things that I'm literally going to read that are his words to you. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I ask that your word would unlock in us a, uh, a reality that we cannot even see. Lord, that you would unlock in us this reality that you have shown us in your word who you are, your power and authority and your willingness to work with the little that we give you. So Lord, as we read your word, as we hear your word, I pray that it would help us see you clearer, that it would help us choose to trust you in spite of 
our circumstances in spite of what's going on in the moment. But we trust where you're taking us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So I talked about our out of um, Mark 8, well, 5, 7, and 8 last week just talked, uh, ended talking about um, the feeding of the 4,000. And so after the feeding of the 4,000, um, this, this thing happens. It's unusual. There's lots of unusual things in the Bible. It's called the, the Mount of Transfiguration. So Jesus and his 12 disciples have been going around, and Jesus decided that he's going to go up on the mountain and have this moment. He knows that the moment's coming. The disciples don't know. And Jesus, just like every parent, has favorites. <laughs> Sorry. My son just looked at me like... Um, Jesus had favorite. He had three that he did things with that he didn't do with the other ones. And so I talked about this at first service that, you know, there's nine that were left at the base of the mountain. And I don't know what he told them. I made this little story up that he gave them a task that was menial for them to do. Hey, nine guys, guys, come here, come here. Not you, Peter. Hey, I need you guys to do this really important task. I'm going to be gone for a little bit. and I got to show these guys something, but I need you to do I need you to take these napkins. I need you to fold them three times over and over again until they're perfect. And just start working on that, and then they slide off to go up to the mountain. I mean, I'm not sure. Jesus didn't do that. That's not, that's extra biblical, okay? They weren't folding napkins, but he did something. I don't know what he told. I mean, I don't know if he looked at him and says, y'all ain't going. I'm taking these three. Just sit down here and behave. I don't know what he did, but somehow he got his three. They go up to the top, and when they get there... This, this thing happens, and I love Peter. I love that he's like, he's, he's, he's like, oh, this is what's going to happen. This is what I'm going to do. And so what happens is Jesus went from his normal attire, what he was wearing, walking up there, into this dazzling white outfit, and it literally says, brighter than bleach can make white. I mean, it is like he's dazzling, he's glowing. And there's Elijah and Moses having a conversation with Jesus. I don't know how they knew that that was them. I don't know if they had signs like Moses. I mean, because I'm sure they figured what they looked like, but I mean, it had been a long time. They didn't have pictures. Like, they didn't have trading cards of Moses and trading cards of Oh, hey, that's them. Sign my card. They're there on the mountain, and they're having this conversation, and Peter is like thinking like, oh, what are we going to do with this? What are we going to do with this magical moment? And of course, in his humanly wisdom, he's like, we're going to set up tents. I feel a theme park. We're going to charge people to come up on the mountain. Mean, this is not just extra biblical, too. That didn't happen. He did want to put up tents, and the, you know, he was thinking, like, oh, this is a big moment. We need to capitalize on this moment. People will want to come and see these tents. And, of course, Jesus is like, you're an idiot. He didn't say that either. Uh, but what does happen in the middle of this conversation, in the middle of Peter thinking through what's going to happen with the future of this mountain, This cloud covers them. And if you hear nothing else, if you miss the rest of my message, if you miss the rest of the reading through the rest of this, listen to these words. A cloud comes over and this voice, the voice of the Father speaks. And not to Jesus because he knew this already, but for the three that were there, they were distracted by this tent business. He says, this is my Listen to him. Really, 
if you take nothing else out of the gospel, my son, listen to him. So the cloud leaves. Moses and Elijah are gone. Jesus is probably still glowing a little bit. I don't know. There's some speculation of what happens when we get to verse 19 in a second that people are running over there because he's still glowing a little bit like Moses when he came off the mountain. And they're coming down the mountain and, you know, they're oh my gosh, we like the, the nine, they just missed this moment. And they're coming down the mountain thinking about what they're going to do. And Jesus said, look, look, look. Until the resurrection, don't tell people about what happened. Have you ever taken one of your kids away and you've given them something that you didn't give the other? And you bring that one child back into the midst of the others. Peter and James and this way. I can't tell you, but it, I mean, I just imagine that they want, the other nine want to humble them all the time. I, I feel like that's just like wedgie central. Like, I don't think they had underwear like we did. But um, So they get down there, um, and as they're walking down the something happens. There's a crowd at the We're picking up the story here in 14. It says, and when the disciples, when they came, they saw a great crowd around them, the scribes arguing with them. So there's a, a group of people that are around, there's something going on. There's, there, there's this argument that's happening. And Jesus, in his wisdom, is going to teach in this moment. He's going to use this moment for his benefit. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed. Some commentaries said they were greatly amazed because he was glowing. Whether he was or not, it doesn't matter. They're greatly amazed mostly because Jesus was amazing. He drew crowds. People wanted to be near him. People wanted to see him. People wanted to hear what he had to say. People wanted to witness the miracles. And they ran up to him and greeted him. And in verse 16 it says, And he asked them, What are you arguing about with them? And someone from the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought my son to you. You weren't here. I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I ask your disciples to cast it out, but they were not able. I'm going to speculate. I'm trying to get better at telling you when I'm speculating so you don't take it out of here and go, the Bible says. I believe what happened in this moment, they were unable to do this and it's going to I'm going to I'm going to get to why I think this in a minute at the last verse that we're going to cover today. But I believe um Jesus gave them authority to cast out demons and heal diseases that he gave them that authority. And I think in their acting of that previously when they were successful, they got cocky and arrogant. They got like, mm, yes. I mean, just like favored kids, you're like, look how awesome we are because we have big brother here. We have this, you know, this power source that's somewhere else. And I believe that they had gotten really cocky and arrogant about this power that wasn't their power. It was something that they were using. 
And in this moment where it led them to this place, they weren't trusting, humbling themselves that this power, for this power that wasn't theirs. I think they arrogantly thought, here's another demon-possessed child that we're going to cast out. No problem. I think they, like others, felt it was just going to happen just the way it happened before. And God isn't interested in you using Him for you. He isn't interested in you having some of His power so that you feel better about yourself. And I think that's what's going on. I think they were like, yeah, yeah, we're, we're Jesus' guys. He gave us authority to use this power and it didn't work. That was better for them that later on in Acts, the seven sons of Sceva, I think, they got their butt whooped because they had to cast out, try to cast out a demon in, in Jesus' name whom Paul preaches. And the demon literally said, I know Jesus. I've heard of Paul, but who are you? And then he whooped them. One person, seven of them. Story, read it later. Verse 19. And he answered them, O faithless generation, how long will I be with you? He's saying this to his disciples. How long will I bear, how long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw him, and we we talked about this with the demoniac. The, the, the demon, the legion of demons inside the demoniac was clear on who Jesus was without Jesus' nameplate. There, there wasn't like, oh, okay, like, oh, here's Jesus. No, they were aware of who this was. This demon inside of this boy was aware who Jesus was. Immediately, it convulsed, convulsed the boy. And he fell on the ground and rolled about foaming at the mouth. I'm going to confess something to you. I'm a fixer. In my nature, I want to fix things. You tell me you have a problem, I want to try to help you with it. Husbands, your wives don't want you to fix them. I want you just to listen. Just be quiet. So just nod your head a little bit. Say, I hear you, babe. That one's free. You don't have to pay me anything for that one. Your life will be better. <clears throat> this morning, uh, as you notice, our screen's working. I mean, it, this this is a big deal. Like we, this thing has been the bane of my existence for like a month. I have done problem solving, and at this point, it works. I don't know why. I don't know why. I, I mean, I've 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 done smart things, and I think I've weeded out the problem. And right now, it's working, and it worked through the whole service. Last one, it's amazing. But I want to fix things. They changed the Wi-Fi in here, and our printers didn't work for our kids' ministry. And right before first service, I'm plugging it in. Because I'm a fixer. And I fixed it because I'm amazing. Justin saw me. I mean, it was I had that thing plugged in. I'm like, Google. Google answers almost every question. You've got to be careful with Google, though. Because Google, Google's idiots sometimes. So, like, just because it brings it to your attention, I mean, it's right. And so I'm a fixer. And so, like, when I, when I read this, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not Jesus. Okay, let's just go ahead and clear that up. Walking onto the scene, Jesus is trying to see what's going on. The boy comes 
or Jesus come near the boy in the demon inside the boy goes crazy inside of him throws himself on the ground this is going on right now this is active crowd of people fixer would be like out Jesus had some purpose in what's getting ready to happen so this boy's still going crazy on the ground picture this in your mind and Jesus, in verse 21, while this is going on, and Jesus asked the Father. I mean, just, just imagine, like, I'm, like, I'm going, you know, like, if I'm one of the disciples, I'm like, Jesus, Jesus, like, I can't hear you. Can you, can you, Jesus? And Jesus asked the Father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And it, it has often cast him into fire and into water to destroy him. And then the father says something that is just like raw and honest, which hopefully you see in the gospels. Like there isn't things, there there isn't like this rose-colored glasses. There isn't this like oh, you know everything's perfect. And the father says this after he says. He's had it from childhood. It tries to kill him. And I've suffered through this. This is still going on on the ground. And then the father says to him, but if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. This dad had some, some girt. Best word I can describe that without being awkward. And then verse 23, and Jesus said to him, and I like, I just see, like, I know Jesus isn't saucy, but like, he had to be a little saucy here. And there's an exclamation point, and I understand that in the original, original, there wasn't periods and all this other stuff, so exclamation point, but I'm going to use it. So the father just said, if you can, and Jesus said with attitude in my version, if I can, that was really loud. <laughs> All things are possible for the one who believes. I just have to clarify this. This is not a blank check to be used at your convenience to go, if I muster up enough faith, Jesus will do whatever I want, which isn't true. He's going to do whatever his will has decided. And sometimes his will isn't. I mean, just think about this. Just in this moment, this child is still possessed. He's still writhing on the ground during this. And it's not because Jesus doesn't have compassion. It doesn't be because Jesus doesn't have the power. There's something that he's trying to do that will be bring greater benefit. But it is a way for us. And I, like, I think it's somewhere in the middle. Some of our healing and transformation isn't coming because of our lack of unbelief. True statement. But on the other coin of that, just if you have more faith doesn't mean that you're going to get what you want. Because at the end of the day, some of the things that you want aren't good for you. And his wisdom 
and knowledge that we don't have nor understand his purpose in the now thing. So, side note. In verse 24, it says, Immediately the father of the child cried out. This, I love this. I use this all the time. I believe. I'm sure he said it loud and like forceful and like is with as much confidence as he could muster. Help my unbelief. I believe. Help my unbelief. Remember, it is the object of faith, not the quality of it, that is critical. Gospels talk about if we have faith as small as a mustard seed, we can move mountains. It, it's, it's not the, 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 the gravity of our faith. It is what our faith is in. It is the object of our faith. And see, notice what we're getting ready to see is that Jesus worked with this man's doubts. In verse 25, it says, And when Jesus saw that the crowd was running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You mute and deaf spirit, I command you to come out of him and never enter him again. I didn't go down this rabbit trail. I don't remember him saying that anywhere else. I could be wrong. I didn't follow that out. But in this moment, he said, never enter him again. You know what never happened to that kid again? The demon didn't enter him again. You know why we know that? Because Jesus commanded the one of authority, never enter him again. In verse 26. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out. And the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said, he is dead. I mean, just picture this large crowd, child on the ground, screaming, convulsing. This is going on. Jesus rebukes the evil spirit, and it leaves. And I don't know what happens in that moment, like if... but in. He went rigid. And they're like, he's gone. He's dead. This just ended. And Jesus did this again with a young girl where he, she was, they said, oh, she's dead. Grabbed her hand, picked her up. It says, and when he, in verse 27, it says, but Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he rose. And when he entered the house, the disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. Other um, uh, um, parallel versions of this in other gospels says with prayer and fasting. The, The point is, What is prayer? But what is prayer if nothing else than humbly believing that this person that you're praying to has power to do what you cannot? 
I mean, that's what prayer is. If we think that we can make it happen, why would we even pray about it? I mean, don't be like, because we're good Christians, we pray about everything. Pray without ceasing always. But honestly, the things that we finally get to prayer in, it's because we don't, we're, it's out of our control. We don't know what to do with it. We don't know how to fix it. And we're trusting in this thing. I think prayer is the, the greatest sign of your humility, of understanding that it is not you, but it is Him that has the power to do anything. That's what prayer is. It's literally a confession that I cannot, but you can. It's you acknowledging prayer. And I believe, like I said earlier, that these disciples had gotten cocky and arrogant about a power that they had used of Jesus's. And in that moment, they were thinking that it was in them, because Jesus had given to them, to take power and authority over it. And they had forgotten that it was never them. It was never their power. It was never their authority that freed this boy. It was Jesus's. And it's the same with us. If we want lasting healing and transformation, that's only going to come from one person. And the rest of our life will be the battle of trusting Him with it. In the middle of our life falling apart. In the middle of things not working out the way we want it. It is acknowledging that I trust you in spite of what it looks like. And sometimes it's literally us crying out, I believe. Help me with my unbelief. See, the beauty of it is that Jesus worked with that little bit of what the father, I mean, the father of the son had. You know what happened a little bit later? The disciples never did anything wrong ever again. That's a joke. Joke. Bad joke. Bad joke. I'd love to say they learned their lesson and they trusted and believed wholeheartedly in in who Jesus was really, not what they hoped and dreamed he would be. And within a chapter later, I don't know how much time had past but in their in their walking i mean they're 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 seeing trusting they're seeing these things that all of us if we're like if we were around jesus we would have like monster faith like there would be nothing that would stop us and these guys who saw it they're walking down the road after all of these crazy things that they've seen jesus do and you know what they're arguing about who's the greatest now i'm sure the nine who were folding the napkins knew that they weren't the greatest. I don't think, I mean, maybe one that just wasn't right in the head thought he was the, the greatest or the favorite or who's going to be in that. But this is the discussion Jesus knows the discussion is going on. Here, here's the beauty. If your life is falling apart and no one knows in this room, he does. If you're hiding sin and no one in this room knows about it, he does. He's aware of your search history even when you go to private. Just saying. Aware. Jesus is aware of this conversation that's going on. And so what does he do? These little little guys come up. He's like, hey. I was a youth pastor for nine years. I loved knowing things that other people knew I didn't know and using that to make them think I knew everything. 
some of them truly believe that I had like an inner tap to the Holy Spirit that just let me know everything because everybody else would just spill their little beans to me. I had this, this, this way of like having a conversation with someone and I knew this thing they didn't want to tell me, but I would make them tell me and they didn't know I knew it. It was awesome. It's a power. It's like one of my superhero powers. But here, here's these guys having this conversation. Jesus knows what they're talking about. And he comes up to them, up to the crowd. Hey, guys, hey, guys, hey, guys. What are you talking about? I don't know who. Maybe they had a designated fall guy every time. Like, it's your turn. You're taking the fall with Jesus this time. But one of them, you know, said, who's the greatest? And, and, and Jesus has this great moment where he's like, look, look, if you want to be the greatest, this is what it's going to cost you. And the greatest in my kingdom is going to be the servant of all. What is a servant? But a humble person who understands they aren't in power. Someone else is. A servant of all. This is the gospel that is being shown to us. This is, this is the God who put on flesh and walked among us, who's aware of our struggle of unbelief. He's aware of our sin and is still willing to linger to draw us into his grace and mercy until we're ready to surrender to him. Because our only place of lasting healing and transformation is going to come from our surrender to this one person. That's the exchange. We don't get to take the things that we want from Jesus and keep the other part of us. We take the things that Jesus wants to give us, this life, peace, joy, in exchange for the surrender of our life. And it, that, that it will be a continual battle the rest of your life. So I, I want to invite our worship team back up. And I, I have a couple of questions. Um, I don't know why I've been in this kind of this theme where I just feel like I want I want us to wrestle. I want us to deal with what's going on inside of you right now. There's things stirring in you right now that you may not like. You may not like how you've responded to it. You may not like that you're forced to make this decision. You may not like your that you don't know what to do next. And so these questions are just to stir things in your head so that you can interact with the living God here in this place that we don't own. He doesn't live or reside in places. He lives in people. But right now, where two or three are gathered, I'm there. Right now, the, the spirit of the living God is here wanting to bring healing and transformation. That's what his desire is. He wants to exchange these things that are crushing you, that are destroying you for life. So here's question number one. Where are you struggling with unbelief this morning? Where is it? You, you know, like there's, there's, there's red flags, there's ding, ding, ding. There's, as I've been talking, there's something that, 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 that's hitting you that you're like, oh, no, no, no. Some of us are like, ooh, 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 I don't want to. So where are you struggling with unbelief this morning? And what are you going to do with it? 
if you acknowledge it, if it's there, what you're, the question is, what are you going to do? Are you going to ignore it? Because ignoring never fixes anything. My next question is, who are you trusting with that healing and transformation you need? I, I mean, be honest. Are you trusting you for that transformation? And I, I'm telling you, I spent, I, I uh, said yes to Jesus. July will be 26 years ago. And this is the struggle. This is the life that we live in because I'm a fixer. I want to fix me all the time. And let me just tell you, I'd love to say I'm smart enough to realize that it's always him. He always brings me to that place. He always brings me to that realization. Okay, come on. I'll fix it for you. But who are you trusting for your healing and transformation? Speak it today. Tell him, you, I want you to do what I cannot. And the last thing is use your words this morning to answer the same question as the father in the story. Can you? you, The father said to him, if you can do anything. And, And hear these words of Jesus, if I can. Like, if I can. All things are possible for the one who believes. Confess it. Be like the Father that says, I believe. Help me with my unbelief. Help me with my unbelief. Help me with my unbelief. Help me with my struggle. Help me with my anxiety. Help me with this fear that I have that everything is out of my control. And so what we're going to do right now is we're going to sing a song. And you may go like, oh, yes, this is almost the end. I don't put a song at the end of our service to keep you here a little longer. I put this moment at the end of our service so you can wrestle with what's going on inside of you because I believe the best opportunity and time for you to respond is always now, not later. The world is going to hit you in the face, not literally. When you walk out of the door, life It's going to come at you. And there's these moments where we get to step into things that generate an ability to continue to move. And I believe that those can start here in this moment. And the great thing is, if you're sitting here and you're like, I don't know what to do, um, we're going to have people up front that are here to pray for you. And I I love uh, Don said during our um, our 21 days of prayer and fasting, that they're here to war for you. Literally battle for you. What, whatever is going on with you, whatever struggle you're going on, you don't even have to tell them. I mean, you can use words. I think, I think just like Jesus named the mute, he named the spirit. I think sometimes we literally need to name this is what's going on. We need to put words to it. Because when we acknowledge it in front of Jesus, we identify it. He has power to remove it. And so that may mean at the end of service going up to someone that you don't know. But they're good people. I love them. They are related to me by marriage. And they're awesome. But choose to do something 
today. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, it is by your grace and mercy that right now we have breath in our lungs, that we have the ability to think and feel and experience what's going on. It is your mercy. And it is your mercy for us to know you and to respond to you this morning. And so as we close, as we sing, as we declare the words that are in this song, Lord, I pray that you break down those walls, that you, you break down this unbelief, that you would help us see and acknowledge and bring to you the struggle that you know that we're already in so that we can identify it and be healed from it. And so, Lord, we, we just give you these moments today as we close our service. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.